What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Black Pill Podcast, where Black Koreans are faced with a dose of reality. I am your host, OBJ, and we're joined by a dope guest here tonight. Why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Ozai Moon Sammy. I'm a filmmaker based out of New York City. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, you know what I know? So uh, today's Black Pill topic is gentrification. Mm. So uh, I want to like, I think it was like a, a great topic to kind of get into, especially the things that have been going on, you know, pandemic wise, you know, things that people have been struggling through from like recent years, you know, trying to move to different homes, uh, how the gentrification process has probably impacted them from an individual basis, from a home owner basis, mm. maybe from a community basis as well. So we're gonna dive into that as well and uh, just get our thoughts and experiences as far as like the whole gentrification process and the different, I guess, variables and like uh, substances that comes with that, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but usually I like to start with the podcast by saying what comes to mind. So there's more of like a brief general kind of uh, uh, thought process of the word or something like that. So like gentrification is the topic, so that's the word. So. What comes to mind when you think of the word gentrification? And uh, just give it like brief, like maybe a, a word, a sentence, maybe a few sentences that come to mind when you think of the word gentrification. Yeah, uh, a branch of colonialism, uh, a level to minimize people. Mm, okay, okay. And I think for me, I think not only gentrification from a community base of how it's affecting from more the income standpoint, but also gentrification of the mind. Most and definitely. also how... It has impacted us in ways that we couldn't have imagined, especially when we're trying to do our best to make a living. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And like, you know, not only from ourselves, but maybe if people have families, you yeah. know, uh, loved ones, anything of that nature. So I also think how it only affects them not externally, but internally as well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, you're the founder of The Last Bodega. In Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, for those who do not know, uh, kind of give people like maybe a synopsis or what it's about. Uh, yeah. First, how did it all started, and what's about, and then uh, the kind of inspiration and motivation behind it as well. Sure. So, Last Bodega in Brooklyn really started because I wanted to tell a story about gentrification because I saw my family's neighborhood change over, particularly in Crown Heights and Bed-Stuy for people that are not familiar with New York City, that's in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I was playing with different ideas. I was like, yo, should I do a documentary? Mm -hmm. uh, do I write a narrative? Like all these different ideas were circling, but I didn't really want to just jump into it. I yeah. wanted to do something that was really true to its core and essence. And because I'm taking my family the stakes are much higher, right? Like, mm -hmm. like I'm gonna go that much more harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was looking at what I felt was missing in TV world. Yeah. And I felt like telling a story of black siblings mm -hmm. was missing, right? Mm -hmm. We got the family structure. Yeah. Um, that's on a number of TV shows, mm -hmm. right? Um, you got the structure uh, with Issa Rae and Insecure leading mm -hmm. one, Love which is show. yeah. <laughs> shouts out to that show. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and and hopefully we get more of those shows. Yeah. Right? With her with her yeah. being a trailblazer, and then really looking at like, all right, well, well. Where do where do I how do I add right like mm -hmm. how do I add to what's being out there yeah. how do I say real and true to my family's story mm. and I I came up with Last Bodega in Brooklyn which mm. is about an Afro Latino family from Brooklyn who own a bodega and across the street is a new organic store owner trying to push them out of their business oh, wow. and their community yeah yeah oh that's dope that's dope and what made you like. I guess, stay motivated to keep continuing on because usually when ideas, you know, spark up, it's just like, yo, it's really exciting. I like to get into it, whatever. But then it usually doesn't die out because, you know, there's not enough motivation, maybe not enough inspiration to keep it going. So what made you feel like something that was the driving point for you? And then what made you so passionate about continuing this? Anger. You know, mm -hmm. um, you, can, you can always take situations and whatever your emotion is towards it, right? For yeah. me, it's anger. You know, energy is really beautiful in the sense that you can always transition it in mm -hmm. a way for it to be productive, mm -hmm. in a way for it to benefit you. And so 
while we look at anger as like a negative thing and don't be angry, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, yo, that's completely false. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I'm very angry about gentrification. I'm very angry of what's happened to people, not only in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. but throughout this nation. What's yeah. happening in Chicago, what's happening in Detroit, what's mm-hmm. happening in LA, what's happening in Miami, what's happening in every city whether it's big or small and yeah. the people who are disenfranchised even back then mm-hmm. to now are black and brown people who moved into those places moved into those cities mm-hmm. because the whole structure of colonialism white supremacy mm-hmm. in this country was based on you're only allowed to buy in these areas yeah but then you want to come back and buy us out yeah, you know, you 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 only you put us in a box yeah. to live. You're only allowed to buy in these areas, mm-hmm. which is why you see that right in, yeah. in 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 many cities. This is not the formation of all cities, but this is the formation of many cities yeah. throughout America. Where mm-hmm. black people, we were only allowed to buy in certain areas. If if for your people listening on the show, the reason why Harlem has so many black people or had so many black people is because when the migration was happening from black people from the South to the North, they were only allowed to rent, mm-hmm. to get places in Harlem, yeah. which is how Harlem got started. Yeah, And then it's ironic because now all the white people yeah. in Harlem. Trauma yeah. the black people and y'all didn't want us to go nowhere else in the city. And then yeah. and now you made it so expensive. It's yeah. hard to pull up anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to pull up in Midtown or downtown, bro. Like, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? But we're free to buy these places. But are we really yeah. when the economic gap is so large? Mm, that's deep. That's deep. Because like I think about these things too, like, you know, uh prior experiences, even of currently and now, and then like place I'm living now is expensive. And it's like, you know, uh me living with my, my brother as my roommate, it's just yeah. like, you know, how are we gonna pay the bill, you know, how we're going to uphold ourselves, but also try to make some time to make an investment too for other things and other plans and other goals that we have in mind. Of course. So, um, yeah, I've seen it, especially when I, uh, you know, from my nine to five jobs, I talked to other um, residents and other people as well. And like, um, the like the amount of like, because uh, I, I do security as my nine to five. So like my, the amount of times I see people move in and out, it's mm-hmm. just Especially around like certain times of the season, I would say I don't know if it's like a a, a, a pathological thing or whatever that's going on, but like usually a, a certain time around the season, the people are moving in and out. Mm-hmm. And the time that I've seen it, you know, transition from like end of summer to fall, the amount of people I've seen moving out, it was like ridiculous. It's like you know, I'm, now I've seen people move out to more of like Long Island, yeah. even though Long Island, you know, uh, certain areas you gotta be careful yeah. because you know it's like you know racist, you know, people yeah. like you know things like that out there. So, but they're trying to make a living because it's just like you know, I need to afford, you know, I have family situation, things like that. So to see that kind of um, process and people trying to find uh, a means to an end to like like how I'm going to like pay off certain expenses or Mm -hmm. things like that. Cause it's not, it's just not from like a, a gentrification standpoint. It's for, it's also their own livelihood Mm -hmm. of how they're going to like get the next food, the, 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 the bills, the phone bill, whatever they think they may have as far as the expenses. So I also think about all those different variables that comes to not just the word gentrification, you know what I'm saying? There's a whole lot of like, things and 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 not just like we're you know confined to this box of like okay you want us to live here yeah but you want to also take our money and then uh restructure the place where it just makes it more harder for us you Most know what definitely. i'm saying so um i think about all those different things when it comes to also the gentrification process and that's why i also think when it came to like not just gentrification from the external standpoint but also gentrification of the mind yeah and how people are also connected because some people um are okay with it but it's just like you maybe have been living through a lifestyle or maybe income level or bracket where you're comfortable and this may not affect you as much as other people as far as the the middle class people and how it's trickling down to more the poor class people you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and uh while the the richer are getting richer and then but even though they're you know getting tired for taxes or whatever but you also got to think of like the average or the more consumer based people, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And how we could um, impact or shape their lives and things like that. But also um, the next thing that I want to come to mind is also building the black community. Yeah. 
through this gentrification process. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know, because there's a, there's a lot. You know, I'm all for the black people. I love all people, but I'm all for black people. First, we all you know? for our people. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. And um, even making this podcast is just my way of helping. You know, through conversation. I think conversation is really important because we yeah. came to a part where, like, through the pandemic process, that like, you know, we lost our friends, we lost uh, family, loved ones, things like that. So. What's your thought there, like, as far as the building blocks for the Black community as we're going through the gentrification process, as we're um, trying to make a living and everything like that? What comes to mind when you think of, like, the building blocks for the Black community? I think the biggest thing is really, and I see so much of it happening, yeah. the education that I see our community having and investing, mm -hmm. also in creating our own, mm -hmm. you know? You can't really, you're not going to really talk to any black person and for them not to be like, yeah, like we invented yeah, yeah. all of this. <laughs> yeah. We innovate this. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all take it. Mm -hmm. Y'all steal it. Y'all yeah. rebrand it. And mm -hmm. then y'all sell it to either yourselves or you try to sell it back to us. We yeah. know that. Right now what's happening is uh you know is is a black renaissance across the board there's a black renaissance in art mm -hmm. there's a black renaissance in business yeah. there's a black renaissance where you know and, and, and it's very important for people to understand this is how we are as a community yeah we built together mm -hmm. they make it seem like we don't yeah they make it seem like we're crabs in a bucket mm -hmm. all of that is false mm -hmm. every time we build stronger together yeah. their intention Mm. Is to what? Pull like, us apart. Yeah, break us apart. Yeah. And 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 that's not conspiracy. That is fact. Yeah. That is a fact from the CIA. That is a fact. Yeah. Where they go after something called the black messiah. They mm. try to find black leaders, they target black leaders, yeah. and they either kill them or they falsify stuff to go yeah. ahead and harm their image. Yeah. Which uh, when you take away leadership, mm. then what happens to the organization? Yeah. It slowly but surely perishes. Mm. And yeah. so, go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say, because that's the something that I want to tap into as yeah. far as the lack of leadership or of not being seen through yeah. leadership. And uh there's always a conundrum when it comes to that because um I would say in more, uh, how, how do I say, municule level, maybe? I don't know. Uh, I, I would consider myself as a leader. Yeah. My um, small implications that I do, like I said, podcasts, whatever I do, I, I posted events before. Um, I always do something where I try to stand in the position of leadership humbly mm -hmm. and see how, what I could do to make small implications of changes and things like that, whether it's like, you know, it's sparking something in one person and how that person could just, you know, inspire other people to do more things. Exactly. So um, when it comes to leadership, you know, and I see, especially with the uh, social media, YouTube, everything being, being very prominent when you see leaders like that and you see examples of other people that people are trying to follow, try to, people try to say like, oh, like look up to and things like that. What what's your standpoint or view as far as leadership? Do, do you feel like you was in a, a, a position of leadership, or you kind of follow other people's other examples of like black leaders and trying to learn from them and, and have that implicate into like wait like when it comes to maybe the last bodega, maybe other events that you hosted, other things that you try to like reach out to other people, other black individuals in your community. So how was that like for you as far as experiencing black leaderships? Yeah, I feel like a great leader knows how to follow mm -hmm. because you have to learn from those that come before you. You have to study what they're doing yeah. and then you got to create the blueprint yourself. I think in terms of other black leaders, I mean, I'm having a conversation with one and you pulled up to the last bodega in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, bro, come through. We doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what you do, right? You, 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 you build community, yeah. right? You, 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 you give love, right? How you came to my event and I was like, yo, I got you. I'm gonna come on the show. Yeah. And that's what you do. That's yeah. what you do. You, mm -hmm. you, 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 you lead mm -hmm. and then you follow, mm -hmm. you lead and then you follow. Yeah. And it creates a community of people all doing that. Mm -hmm. So the support 
is just throughout the whole entire community. So the community naturally rises together mm -hmm. because when someone's like, yo, I don't know how to do a podcast. It's like, yo, don't worry. I got my man, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> yo, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to like, you know, put together a film, but I don't really have a budget. I'm just starting out. Yo, let me connect you with my man, Mosiah. Mm. And that's how community flourishes. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that I see in leadership. And I, I personally feel like I'm around pretty much nothing but black leaders. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm very grateful. And I think that if you're looking for that, mm -hmm. you embody that, you want that, then they're in your community. Mm -hmm. And if they're not in your community, then find them online. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's always, you know, sources, resources that you look out there, but 100%. it's just having the energy and time and investment to do so. Like, you know, because the common denominator is you. Yeah. You know, what do you want for yourself? Yeah. What is your purpose? What's your goals in life? You know yeah. what I'm saying? And if, if you're not not sure, that's okay. You yeah. know, you're going through the life. You're going through experiences. You you know, you're testing out things. You're experimenting things and things like that. That's right. And um, the other thing that came to mind was the sort of, uh, I think of the black dollar, mm -hmm. you know, how can we circulate the black dollar back into the black community? Because oftentimes when I see um, black individuals within our community, it's usually the dispersal of like, you know, I could spend that quick dollar on another cultural race, which is fine. Sure. But if you're trying, if somebody's in the standpoint or complaining or making these uh, statements or whatever, it's like, you know, like, you know, what's happening in the black community? Like, look at the little actions that you're doing that's mm -hmm. not helping and circling that back into the, or supporting Most our community definitely. as well. So what would you say about that as far as like ways to circulate the black dollar back into the black community where we're so quick in, in into making those uh, uh, investing elsewhere outside of our own race when it comes to like, you know, heavily on the Asian or the the, 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 the Chinese community. And you see they have their own town, a little Italy, or they have their own, the Jewish community, have their own tight knit community as well. And we just like spending when it comes to hair, uh, uh, products, uh, uh, shoes or whatever. But this, we have our own black owned products and things and services as well, which you know people do support, but there's not enough of it where it circles back into our community. So what's your standpoint and, and views on that? Yeah, I agree with that. But I think ultimately, you know, uh, what you're speaking about is... Uh, you know, that really stems from capitalism. That really stems mm -hmm. from the idea that, you know, if you are not black, anyone coming into America mm -hmm. has a automatically more of a privilege before us, mm -hmm. right? So when you see people coming from Asia or Latin America who are of light skin, fair mm. skin, because that's super important as well. Mm. Um, and you see a Russian, a Ukrainian, a European coming over here. And within five to 10 years, they already have a business. Yeah, They're sending their kids to private school. Yeah, They're doing so well. They got a trust fund. And they got a trust fund. Yeah. You're like, oh, you just <laughs> got here yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been here for generations, mm -hmm. right? So what is that about? Ultimately, that's about the structure that we live in, the society that we live in, which does not support us in pushing us forward. Mm -hmm. There is no rescuing of the society. The only rescue that we have is ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the only uh, the only way that we have ourselves is that we build community together mm -hmm. and we build community by investing in each other. Yeah. That's why it's so important to buy. You know, um, yeah. I'm very lucky because, because I live in a community mm -hmm. where there's so many Black own businesses mm -hmm. that's where i spend my money mm -hmm. like that's where if if anybody wants to open up a laundry mat yeah. in brooklyn that is black yeah. let me know <laughs> i will start doing my laundry yeah. at your laundry mat yeah, yeah, and i yeah. think in all areas i think mm -hmm. in here i mm -hmm. think like we got to look at in all areas across the board mm -hmm. because we know we're a leading power mm -hmm. and it's like people want our money but then they don't want us in the store. Yeah. They don't want to really, they don't want us around. Yeah. They want to get the money, but they don't really want us. Mm -hmm. They want to, they wanna, they want to take your swag, they want to take your flatness, but mm -hmm. they don't really want you. They don't mm -hmm. really want me. Yeah. And that's a no-no. Mm -hmm. Them days, them days are coming to an end. And I feel like we're very lucky and blessed right now mm -hmm. because there's a number of us at high levels that are already leading the way. They're yeah. showing how you do ownership all the way at the yeah. highest level possible. Yeah. And I also think about that because that's another thing that came to mind is the safety net or the sense of belonging. Yeah. Because 
you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be with your own people and things like that. I also think it, when it comes to like, you know, work areas as well, you know, you want to be around your people, you want to cultivate things like that. That's fine. But then uh, how much of that profit or profit margin is being sufficient for for the business to sustain or the workplace to even be healthy? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because like you said, you know, I could go to um, there's certain bodegas I went to and then. You know, I was getting looked from like the cashier or whatever. And I'm yeah. just like, no, I'm not trying to steal nothing. Yeah. But it's always that look or that try to create that safety net. Because when something goes down, boom, they, they click the call. Exactly. one or whatever, things like that. So how important as far as like not only the safety net within, you know, black individuals in our community, but also for other people to kind of create that and cultivate where it feels like we're not really in a place of discrimination mm -hmm. we're you know a place of acceptance and love as well but we're also trying to build our own with yeah. our own people like i said and because like i believe that you know black individuals has also have black like individual thoughts as mm -hmm. far as diversity of thought sure so not every black person thinks the same yeah. you know things like that we all have different characteristics emotions uh uh mental processes how one maybe learn quicker than the other maybe i'm a, I'm a more, more of a visual learner as well so how important do you feel like as far as creating a safety net because you think of i think of the world like what we call like those you know those, uh places when you come in a circle and they talk about um those safe community, like when you go in a circle and they talk about um my, my words, my I'm boggled right now. Uh when they talk about the issues and be like, oh, there's a safe space, you know, for so what happens at like school? It's like no, a school no, no, no. It's like they, it happens in like, you know, buildings. They have like these safe spaces for people to come talk about the issues. Oh, I've never seen I I I haven't yeah. seen one of those. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, you know, and then, you know, if if I say like you know, something controversial. I'm just saying, I'm not saying I'm political, but I'm just saying like, let's say if I was Republican or something, yeah. like, but the black community you hear heavily is more democratic. Yeah. And that's more of the conditioning mindset where they, people know the history, then they'll know like, you know, Republican was actually the, the Negro Republican party that kind of started off and cultivated that. So if I say something controversial, like, I oh, know I'm a Republican, I'd be like, no, that's like, you know, there's no enough space for individual thought yeah. to open up to say we could agree to disagree on different things or whatever. So that's what I mean when it comes to like more of the safety net, because a lot of times where there's a lot of friction when it comes to disagreements. There's a lot of friction when it comes to like, if you're not on the same page or we don't have similar things, you don't agree to me or be the yes man or whatever, mm. then how can we create more of a safety net? where we're trying to build a black community, we're trying to have more black individuals and accept or be understanding of their own thought process and then the diverse thought process for us to come together and not have that kind of friction. Because I see it often, especially when negativity flourishes, it flourishes fast. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So what's your thought as far as like, or even solutions, if you have any, when it comes to creating a safety net for the black community. I think that's a level of honestly compassion. That's the only really way that you're going to have understanding. Mm -hmm. You can't really get understanding with someone without a factor of compassion. Mm -hmm. So having compassion of, I don't necessarily know why you think like that or you're moving like that, yeah. but I got enough compassion in my heart to mm -hmm. know that, you know, no matter what you're doing, yeah. I, 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 I still care about you. Mm -hmm. I still love you. I still got you, even though I'm in a disagreement. And that comes at different levels. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, I'm not saying that's applicable for all things, yeah. but if you're talking about people staying together, cohesive mm -hmm. with individual thoughts, which mm -hmm. is completely natural and normal, mm -hmm. you got to have a level of compassion for that other person to understand that person's life experience is either completely like yours or nothing like yours, yeah. which is why they are operating and saying and moving in the space the way that they are. Mm -hmm. And then also, there's also gray areas too. It's like, you know, there's maybe some things that I can relate to you and there's some things that I can't relate to you on or whatever. At least I have maybe understanding, sympathy or empathy about those situations. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to kind of bring that into, into thought as far as like the safety nets or the safety spaces where I feel like, you know, if I want to be welcome to this black community, you know, you got to at least accept that having an understanding that I'm not going to be agreeing to everything I do. I, like the way y'all move, I'm not going to move every way y'all move, you know of what I'm course. saying? So um, that's why I want to kind of um, bring that into perspective. Yeah. And then also what I want to also talk about, you know, bringing it back to gentrification, you know, since the topic is that what was your experience as far as the gentrification? Like you growing up, 
you know, maybe from a kid, even maybe now recently, you know, during the pandemic or whatever the case may be, as, uh, you know, because you, you express words like anger, you know, was one of the emotions, like, so, like those things could be channeled, those things could be directed in a good way or, or bad way. Well, what was your experience like when, as far as growing up through gentr- gentrification? Yeah, so my... My family's in Brooklyn, but I'm originally from Florida. My okay. parents actually moved from Brooklyn down to Florida. And so I was in New York every year uh, mm. because visiting family. Okay. So when I first started- Wait, And then, sorry, when did you move to- um, So you were originally from Florida mm-hmm. and you went to Brooklyn. Yeah. When did you move? What was the moving process? I moved to New York like 11 years ago. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my first bout of gentrification was in my family's neighborhood and really being confused, mm. like not understanding, you know what I mean? Because I was young. I was young when I first, first saw it. Yeah. And I was probably around like, uh, maybe like a 14 or 15. Okay. And just not sure of like, oh, what's this new thing happening here? Mm-hmm. And, and that wasn't anger. It was just more so confusion. confusion yeah. Like, yo, what's that, what, what's that, what's that coffee shop doing here? What's yeah. like, what are those, oh, what are those new buildings, those new apartments? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, like, oh, they're doing things different. Like yeah. they're making like some real like good changes around here. You yeah, know, yeah. like really just like, yeah. you know what I mean? What you thought was good changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. I didn't really have any context for it yeah. because it was so early on. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, there was a very clear moment where I was walking, like let's fast forward. Yeah. And now I'm like in my early 20s. Mm, okay. And I live in New York. And I'm going and I'm visiting my family. I'm visiting mm-hmm. their house. Yeah. And I get lost in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a neighborhood that I've known my whole life. Yeah. This is a neighborhood in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn yeah. where there has been three, if not four generations of my family. So mm-hmm. this like, so I know this area. Yeah. Like it's in my bones. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. was already, you know what I mean? Like transcribed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And... I remember not being able to know where I was at. Mm. And that confusion was lit with being angry. Mm. Because at that point, I'd understood that these changes were not in service for my family. Uh Not in service for our people. But it was in service for a young demographic Mm -hmm. coming from other cities, coming from suburbs, coming fresh out of college to cater and to pay into them. Mm-hmm. And that's when that's when that confusion really led into anger of not knowing where I was at, mm-hmm. but not knowing where I was at because they flipped the script with not keeping us in mind at all. Mm-hmm. And another thing that came to mind was that, do you think that, you know, New York City being such a diverse and cultivating place to be, and I love New York City, you know, for all the diversity that it brings, whatever, do you feel like it's too accepting of trying to pander to to too many different people, like you said, because like you know, um, I, I'll tell you maybe more of my experience too when I when I first had the, I guess awareness, maybe confusion of gentrification, mm-hmm. and you know, because I was mostly raised in the South Bronx, mm-hmm. the Boogie Down Bronx, mm-hmm. and. All I know from, you know, growing up is like black, Hispanic, <clears throat> and my mom being Panamanian. Shouts out to the Panamanians. And, you know hey. and my father being Nigerian. Yeah. That was like, oh, I know, like American, Nigerian, Panamanian, uh, Afro-Latinas, yeah. Hispanics. That's yeah. pretty much was my circle of like my community. Sure. Know, that's all I pretty much knew. Yeah. So growing up with that and things like that, I'm just like, you know, I, obviously we had like our struggles and things like that. Like people had to stay away from, you know, certain blocks that was dangerous that I tried to avoid and everything like that. But it was still something I was familiar with. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And um, my experience outside that, I think maybe I would say like, well, so there was a period when I moved when I got older and I moved when my father stepped, you know, he lived on his own. He wasn't living with us anymore. And uh, he lived in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So when he lived in Manhattan, he lived around 42nd. That was when they had the Toys R Us and everything that was out there. And that's when I got more, di- you know, diverse into more people. And I was saying I wasn't seeing them, but it was just like getting more familiar with like, you know, um, 
the tourists and mm. like things like that. And I'm just like, okay, like, you know, what's going on here? You know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm just like, you know, I'm just a kid and I'm just trying to, you know, uh, make my, my, my living, just be with my father, my siblings, everything like that. And the sort of looks that I was getting mm. as like, I was like, wait, maybe early teens, maybe if I'm not mistaken, I was just like, you know, I'm like, why are they looking at me like that? I'm just like, you know, we're humans, you know, you know I'm not, pretty much no different from you. That's my mindset back then. Yeah. And, but it was just a more of like, you know, I see people clutching their purses, people like things like that, giving them emails kind of looks. And I'm just like, you know, I was like, what are you doing? What, what's going on? You That's know what right. I'm so to be diversified or gentrified in that kind of crowd was just kind of like alarming to me. Cause I'm just like, and for me, for my age, I was pretty much of like a, a very smart, mature person. Yeah. And I'm trying to connect the dots and everything like that. And I'm just like, okay, like, okay, now I see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then things start to slowly click to me and I'm just like, okay, like I'm accepting around here. You yeah. know, I don't, I, it doesn't feel like I belong here. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And especially when you grow up around like a certain descendant of parents or people, they're going to look at you more differently of because course. it's like, oh, you, you African, you know, yeah. they, they, oh, you Panamanian, things mm-hmm. like that, whatever. So, you know, there was so many different layers of like trouble that I had to unpack or I had to like, embrace yeah and you know being a kid is just like that could be traumatizing for some people Most maybe definitely. maybe not be more impactful in the sense that it's like like it's like a big deal for them mm-hmm. but then you slowly start to like that trauma starts to slowly build up and then you realize that like you know not feeling like you belong somewhere can hit you hard Most at some definitely. place so that was my experience with that and then also when i moved into uh far rockaway uh because i was born in queens but i even though i was mostly raised in the south bronx uh being around jewish people yeah and i'm not gonna yo no offense to jewish people like it was confusing for me even to in that point because like there was a part of the jewish community that they're very tight-knit they like they it was tight-knit yeah and there was some of them that was friendly and then some of them was just very like mean looking yeah like they was just like like where are you why are you walking down our property? Why are you walking down our block? Because they they own properties. So to see that, I'm just like, you know, I'm just trying to get to work. Mm. I'm just trying to just live by my day. I don't want no trouble. I'm just I'm just trying to get to the deli, Most go definitely. back, whatever, yeah. where I'm going. I'm just trying to get to my destination and come back. And it was I remember when um I was we used to work at the airport at JFK. And so I would wake up 2 a.m. to go to work at 4 a.m. And there'll be random like Jewish people because you know they're in their community, so they feel safe. And then random Jewish people, and then you know how certain people, when black people they work in a certain time of night, they they get you know a little clutched up. Of course. And then, but this Jewish guy came in, right? He just gave me a little wave, a hello. I was just a little surprised by that. And I'm just like, usually, you know, I get you know uh, on the other fence of like you know like them or they even when the, the this trouble of like them just going across the street. Yeah. You know, I, I walk one street. They'll, they'll see me to go across Across. another street you know what I'm saying so but this guy just just waved at me just gave me a smile and everything I was like I'm like you're not scared of me you know what I'm saying so it was so much going on with that and like to see them like own their own thing I'm just like damn like I want that for our people. Yeah, that's when I. That's when it really kind of just hit me more, and it just hit me more and more. The more I seen like all these, like the buildings changing, all these different architecture. Some of the buildings look nice. I'm not gonna lie. Some of the buildings look nice, but they're just too expensive. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, I think about that when I when I went through my part of like awareness of gentrification phase or the process of it and stuff like that. So my other thought process as well is that. when it comes to, I guess, history of gentrification, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to take it too bad because I want to keep it more into the, today's society because of like what our parents went through, our great parents went through, great great parents, you know, sure. you know? Um, and you know, you, you, we hear the stories, you know, you know, no struggle, whatever things like I had to fight through mud, I had to walk miles, yeah, or whatever yeah. things like that. So, what was your experience as far as like your parents' standpoint of it, of like going through that? Was they troubled by it? Did they have any feelings, any thoughts about it, uh, things of that nature? No, I don't actually know what my parents' uh, stance are on it. We mm. never even had a conversation around it. Mm. Do you feel like that that should be important as far as like? Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I definitely think like that should be a, a huge conversation, but because uh, both our mothers are uh, Panamanian. Yeah, shout out to um, Panamanians out there. Yeah, and and uh, 
West Indian and African culture are very similar in terms of um, the standards mm-hmm. in the states where education is so big yeah. and not really having like a high level of like emotional connection to your kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's so cross blended with those two cultures. Yeah. Um, that I think it's super normal. I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of West Indian. I think a lot of African kids um, sort things out on their own. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think it's like make sure you get good grades. Yeah, I'm gonna beat you if you don't. <laughs> yeah. um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like we're not gonna talk about uh, yeah. all your internal conflict. We're not here for that. Yeah, maybe it's different in a younger generation, but I know mm-hmm. for our generation, up that was super normal. Yeah, so they don't really, you know, what I mean, they don't really have like those type of conversations. It's just, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which are imperative. Yeah. I think you're supposed to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, I, I wish I would have had those uh, conversations with my parents. Yeah. Cause it, same for me, like, you know, um, cause when I think about West um, Africa or just Africa in general, it's like tribalism just comes to mind. Of course. And like how important that is. And, but, um, you know, not to take it too much outside of uh, Western colonization culture, you know, uh, even that is losing a little bit of its grip more and more, you know what I'm saying, as far as the whole gentrification process in there and then how they're trying to colonize and cultivate and even capitalize on that sense of tribalism of just breaking that apart, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, for me, like being a Nigerian um, and a wary, if people know, if you know, you know, um, how, and even me being out there in, in Nigeria when I took a trip out there too, it was just like the community, it was just like it was so it was so dope. You know, I see people building mansions, big houses. They 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 was building something, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I was just like, yo, this is like this is so dope. Yeah. You know, like America needs to do this. That's, you know? right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. You know, America has done it. Yeah. Yeah. Several it. communities. Yeah. They got like, burned down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, you know, but I'm talking about the, the sense of it being so strong and just like, you know. I can go to a neighbor. I can like they can help you. I was like, "Oh, you doing this? Whatever." Like, let me help you out. You yeah. know, just to see all that going on, yeah, and just trying to rebuild themselves back up. It just was just so empowering for me. It's just mm-hmm. like I was just I was just taking a a, a trip, a, like a little bit of a road trip. Um, when some one of my family members was driving me across to Legos, mm-hmm. and I was just seeing like just so many like structures, like you know they they breaking them down, but they just just building themselves back up, like yeah. they're not stopping. It's yeah. just like this is not going to stop us. That's you right. know what I'm saying? That's right. So I, I like that sense of like the stronghold, the sense of community, and how much other people in other villages and towns are even contributing. It's like oh, you need help, whatever. But yeah. also they're, they're also aware of like who you know helps them, you know, of in course. that sense as well. Of course. And then so that made me bring about the question as far as like you know the whole gentrification or even the community aspect of it as far as like how much does our neighbors or how much do we know our neighbors enough for them to help us? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, living in this social media age and this day and age, it's like, we don't even know. I say this in previous podcasts. We don't even know the, the neighbors from the front left, left or in the back of us. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Um, luckily my neighbor right here in the front knows me, but yeah. like other commonly you don't see people knowing their neighbors. Sure. And um, it was, even back in the days when it was just like, or even when I was a kid, I was like, I know enough of my neighbors that it was just like, you know, if you're going through something, they'll help you out. You know, they will see like how you move and they'll be like, hey, like, yo, this kid is doing this, whatever. And they'll of tell course. the parents or whatever. Of course. So I just feel like there's maybe a possible lack of that. Yeah. There's a majority from maybe social media could yeah. be a, a variable to that. There's maybe other variables, maybe how uh, parents are being raised, how they're like, you know, tossing technology on them. They don't even want to really connect with their kids, sure. you know what I'm saying? To build that sense of like, what it means to be a black person, what it means to uphold yourself, to have moral value standards and things like that. So how do you feel it is important for you to know your neighbors and to to be a, another variable of that building block and tool to kind of like say like, okay, I have other resources other than just, you know, even though it's like a quick access to internet and social media and things like that, to have that in-person connection. Yeah, I think it's everything. I think the fact that um, there's been a level where we're knowing less and less of our neighbors Mm -hmm. and uh, less of community being strong, there's all the more reason to lean into that Mm -hmm. because your community 
is a lifeline for everybody. Yeah. People yeah. get to look out after the kids, right? Yeah. Like it takes a village to raise a child, right? Yeah. It takes a village to care and to protect. Yeah. And when you have that village, um, your structure and your and your circumstance directly is affected and impacted. So yeah. we all need to know our neighbors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know your neighbors? Most definitely. Okay. Left, that, right, that. and front. Hey. <laughs> see, see, and then uh, what other than other than that, um. As far as the networking and the, you know, connecting and networking, that's mm -hmm. another thing that I want to get into, into mind. Um, how much has your experience as far as, you know, recently or the recent years, has your uh, networking building blocks has been, you know, progressing? Um, and how much that helped you in your projects and with the last bodega and anything that you're working on, you know, your, your last bodega going international, you know, congratulations on thank that. You, thank you. And, um, you know, how much of that networking has helped fueled or build or even added on to like building your platforms and your brand and things of that nature? Yeah, well, essentially, you know, nobody is self-made. No, no. Mm, doesn't exist. No. I hate that expression. I, I hate that expression. Yeah, yeah. Because like, it's, mm. it's such bullshit. Like when people yeah, say that, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. You're not self-made at all. Yeah. When and, I think of it, I was like, you know, I'm going I'm to put a little. Uh, do you guys know? Yeah, no, but for real, um, networking is really everything because it's how you get things done. And when yeah. people are in the same grind mm -hmm. and you guys have a similar goal or a similar dream yeah. or, or people just want to give you love to support what you're doing, mm -hmm. that's going to be really essential in terms of how you get things created. That's mm -hmm. how I'm able to create films. I'm mm -hmm. able to create films because I've met people through my journey. Yeah of being an actor and being a filmmaker and being a writer mm -hmm. who we have molded together. And it doesn't always work. There mm -hmm. are people who are, don't show up. Yeah. There are people who are lazy. Yeah. There are people who will try to screw you over. Mm -hmm. That is a part of the game. That yeah. is part of the process. Yeah. But that's fine because at the end of the day, I got a number of people who I love and mm -hmm. who I care about and we go hard for each other and we build together. Yeah. And last bodega in Brooklyn, really for the number of people who've been with me now for years mm -hmm. from cast and crew, mm -hmm. um, really honestly, it's a W for all of us mm -hmm. because it's seeing like oh, I got this idea and I want to try something out. Yeah. And that idea didn't really do nothing. Yeah. And that second idea didn't really do nothing. Yeah. And that third idea kind of gave me a little something. And yeah. that fourth idea started to move. Mm. And that fifth, sixth, seventh, yeah. oh, now I got Last Bodega in Brooklyn. Yeah. Now we on. Yeah. Last Bodega in Brooklyn is not a first time thing. Yeah. It's it trial is, and error. It's trial and error. It's yeah. so many projects. So then yeah. getting to something... And the team is tight. Yeah. The click is strong. Yeah. But that's because you guys didn't see us mm -hmm. when we were out here making these other projects. Yeah. They didn't make it to the light of day. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? And that's fine. Yeah. It's supposed to be that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think about even times when I've done groups and I was a leader of other things. Like I was the leader of the Creative Alliance. And when I see yeah. what part of. Yeah, yeah, most big definitely. Group, yeah. yeah. And I was excited for that. Yeah. And you see, you see the people who stay and it's the people who left. And that's the people right. who just kind of like in and out of, of the mix or whatever, but it was a project. It was a phase. It was, mm -hmm. a, it was a process. And I was glad that I went through that process because, um, not only did I learn things, I was even connecting with other people yeah. and it, it built on, on other ideas. And I was just like, okay, this is not working, whatever. I'll throw in a free event from here. It's, it's not working. I mean, this time when I, outside of the lines, I just do a free event or whatever, just to, I just love the black community. I just wanted people to come together. You know yeah. what I'm saying? All creators, all the individuals, entrepreneurs, all that thing, all all of the like, yeah. and that was just my building block and my tool. Just like, okay, mm -hmm. let me see who, who's gonna come through, who's gonna stay. Yeah. Even building this podcast, like I had a team members who I love, I love all of them, and it didn't work out for them because everybody has their own journey, everybody has um their own thing going on. Of course. So they, but even them to stick out through that process was I also grateful for. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because like, you know, you appreciate the people for the time that they spent. For the time that they did, you know, the time being that there was around, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the ideas that they chipped in. Yeah. And like, you know, um, just going through those that phase, that journey of just like, okay, like, 
this is working, this is not working. Like, like we're still figuring things out. I'm still figuring things out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Even doing this whole podcast, I'm still figuring things out. But I'm always learning and I'm meeting dope people like yourself yeah. and many dope creators and, and having these conversations. And it's just like, wow, this is like, it's really great. You know what That's I'm right. saying? And I'm still going to be learning stuff. Maybe this is going to work out. Maybe it won't. You know, hopefully it works out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah Shout out, support, you know, things like that. That's right. Um, but... It's it's always a journey, and I and I love the journey. Most you know definitely, what I'm you have because, to. Yeah, and like the process that it comes with it, because you know, and these nowadays, it's just like you know, it's just like I see somebody living flourishly. I see people going on trips, living like expensive life and everything, and they just think like it just got to them like that, and they just want it instantly. And I don't care about getting things instantly. Like I'm I'm more of a humble person. Like I like just going through like the process of it and just mm-hmm. like learning and like meeting new people and i'm always big on meeting new people yeah. especially genuine people yeah you know right. what i'm saying because you know I met, I met a lot of fake people yeah and i wasn't perfect myself i'm not gonna be like oh i was a holy grail of like a, a person you know what i'm saying i went through my mistakes too i went through my mud as well sure but um there was there was other factors that came into it, like you know how i grew up mm-hmm. you know other people that played a part that took me out of character out of my well-being out of my mm-hmm. state of mind to really get back on the focus, yeah. you know, like what's the focus, what's the goal, what's the purpose, you know what I'm saying? So um, not to go on a little whole soliloquy about that, but as far as, um, well, I want to talk about more of you as an individual, as far as like, you know, going through the, like, like I said, we talking about gentrification as well. How much of your individuality has been broken or uplifted through that process of like, you know, like you say, you're doing last thing, you're going through all these trials, doing these projects and everything. How much of your individuality has been kept intact or has been lost throughout the way as you're going through the journey of just trying to build back with the black community? I think nothing has been lost. I think things have only been added. I only mm-hmm. got a better sense of myself okay. and seeing more of myself in terms of how I want to give and how I want to add. Yeah. I feel like being able to do this work, building community, uh, voicing my people, being able to be in the space that I am really gives me a clear indi- indication of how I want to show up mm-hmm. and my present existence. So I think it's aided me really and giving me more clarity of who i am mm, okay okay mm-hmm. i think for me like i said um trial and tribulation i was just going through the ups and downs like but more so ever i was always trying to be my best to be a genuine person mm. so like even connect with other people i'm just like okay like all right what type of time you on right now you know yeah. what i'm saying like what's your reason for wanting to connect with me or be a part of my circle yeah. and my friends and people like that so and I was grateful for meeting a lot of dope people that yeah. just wanted to like just show genuine support. Amy just shows love. Even people are DM me. It's like, yo, they just random DMs. Like, yo, like if you've seen this, like you know, people when they see what was the videos that be saying, like if you see this message, like you know, it's all love and support, whatever from another person. Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it's so wholesome. Like even the feeling, like you know, I'm just like, damn, like yo, people showing love and support. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's so dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, um, just uh planning out events uh people being invited to events you know what i'm saying it's just like it's so dope yeah, yeah. but i see a lot of the, the destruction of like people trying to break that apart mm. even within our own people yeah and like uh to, to to talk a little bit more into that how much of that destructive factor that you felt like you came across in your path during your journey and um what how did you embrace it how did you you know tackle it on and things like that as far as the people that try to break you down to try to tear you apart or even seeing people around your circle and uh, like you know experience hearing other people's stories experiences when it comes to like our own people trying to tear us apart yeah i think people get deterred with those things that doesn't really happen with me Mm. you know when i feel like someone's trying to break me i actually feel like someone's trying to make me greater Mm. so i meet them and yeah. then ultimately i'm gonna learn so i can elevate yeah i don't i don't i don't i don't look at it as like this person is gonna break me i'm like oh this person is giving me an opportunity yeah this is an opportunity to be more in charge of myself this mm-hmm. is being an opportunity to have more of a, a, a perspective on the situation mm-hmm. this is an opportunity to learn and grow mm-hmm. wise. And so I take all those things only really as a way to build me. Does it bother me? 
do I get pissed? Am I ready to go off? Of yeah. course. Yeah, Undoubtedly. Yeah. I'm not like some calm monk just yeah. vibing, sipping <laughs> yeah. on tea. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all good. You heard me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, nah, like I'm ready for battle. I'm ready for war. But ultimately, the war is internal. And what you do and how you move is really the way that shows how you either master that experience mm-hmm. or you let that experience master you mm, oh, that's deep that's deep and um and i wanted to talk about something else as far as like you know getting back to gentrification is the other implications of the agenda behind certain uh gentrification process like mm. i think about i don't know like the census yeah. you know i think about um you know how when you take, I guess, certain tests or certain things that try to identify you, it's like, are you African-American? Are you yeah. white or things or whatever? Yeah. I think about all these different little variables. And I'm just like, I don't know if it comes to people's minds often, but I think about those things. And yeah. even when I was looking up earlier, I'm doing my research. I'm just like, you know, I feel like this is another kind of agenda, low key. You know what I'm saying? Most as far definitely. as like how they want to categorize people, how they want to kind of like put them into different subgroups and how that that could like that could be an additive thing or something that they're trying to sort out as far as the community and where they're from yeah and um you know to add that kind of like okay we're gonna put more income here we're gonna you know uh terrorize this uh maybe store or whatever maybe it's not doing well we could we could, we could probably attack them or latch onto there i feel like a lot of those things are added variables to the the, the sort of agenda of gentrification. So mm-hmm. what's your thoughts about that as far as like other implications as far as like the sorting out the senses, the testing, the identification of it, and um, the, the categorization of all that kind of stuff going on? Yeah, I think it's a total way that feeds into the system, which is ultimately trying to figure out and to group us statistically so that they can have information to fill in the blank. That part of it, I don't really know, but I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I think it's totally correlated and I think it's totally linked, which is why I don't support it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't ever, I don't ever put my label down. I'm not adding to that. I'm I'm not helping you get a stat. One in four black people are suffering (laughs) from high levels of sugar addiction. How you know that? How you know, like, you know what I mean? And and I think about this too, because um, I think one my previous podcast when I had uh when I was talking about black health in America, mm-hmm. I was thinking about how, you know, people gotta be careful but when it comes to like surveys and statistics and everything, because like how many people are they surveying? What's the area that they're surveying? Like how, what are the, what are, like it's, it always comes down to different variables. Like how much of of that is really a, a good census or statistic to kind of generalize people, you know what I'm saying? I when I took statistics, yeah. And I realize that anyone can make up a statistic for the way that they want. Once I learned that, I never believed in another statistic again. Oh, wow. Because you remember in statistics, like they can change the variables of everything to make it the outcome that they want. Yeah. Which means- Or make them to believe. Or make them to believe. So it's it's always going to be biased. Yeah. Do you know, like it's like, nah. Yeah. Nah, nah. Because that's why I always go through like the human experience. What are the stories that people are actually saying or telling me and the things that I'm hearing and stuff like that? So some statistics may have some ground or surface or some value to them yeah. um, to, 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 to feed off or have a conversation about. But then I also look like, okay, like, what are they doing? Like, you know, how many people have you surveyed? All this stuff like that. There's so many different things when it comes to that. All right, so to, we're about to close off. To close off, what would you say are some, maybe some non-tangible, maybe tangible solutions as far as the gentrification process and maybe things that you're doing with the last bodega, your, your projects, anything that you're working on that you felt like will help um, dilute that maybe, or even bring a stronger sense back into the black community? Most definitely. First is understanding and awareness. We have to understand that no matter where you're at, whether it's Brooklyn, LA, Chicago, Miami, any mm. city that you feel like you are getting infiltrated, which you are, your mm. community is, yeah. is that um, whether it's white people or any other group of people that are coming in mm-hmm. um, with 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 capital to mm-hmm. open up businesses or to own homes, mm-hmm. they're not going away, yeah. right? And so what we have to understand is 
That's awareness. Yeah. What do we do with that awareness? Do mm-hmm. we stay angry? Do we say, I can't stand you in my or neighborhood victim or victim? Exactly. Yeah. And so ultimately these people in the community. And remember, if they're in our community, mm-hmm. it is your land. Mm-hmm. It is your land. Mm-hmm. Not theirs. Mm-hmm. They are a guest. Mm-hmm. And so they should act accordingly. Mm-hmm. Which means that they need to put some respect <laughs> on your name when they see you. Yeah. How do we do that? Well, for me, I'm starting off. And remember, everything that I'm saying right now is in process. So I don't have a solution, yeah. but more so I have a process to try to figure out a way that I can go ahead and give solutions for all of us to use. Yeah. Right now, because I work in entertainment, I'm throwing monthly comedy events in Brooklyn in Bed-Stuy. Mm-hmm. Bed-Stuy is a heavily gentrified area. Yeah. So I use comedians as a conduit to bring people together to bridge the gap mm-hmm. so people can have comedy and have laughter. And then mm-hmm. afterwards, as you saw, people can mingle. People yeah. can know each other. Yeah. To get to know us is to get to love us and at the end of the day if we have that then these same people are coming to the neighborhood now know who we are and Mm. we know who they are and Mm. because of that community can be formed and the reason that i want that community to be formed is because anyone who is gentrifying a neighborhood And I don't care. I've heard all the excuses. Yeah. I've heard, oh, well, it's the only place that we could afford. You know, like we, we, we couldn't buy into a prominent white neighborhood. So we, we thought we'd take our money and come into a black neighborhood. And yeah. like, do you know, like, it's like, you know how you sound right now? Yeah. Like, um, so I say all that because ultimately is if you come into the neighborhood, then mm. poor money into our community, meaning that you are now in our community, Mm. pour into our community, pour into our businesses, pour into our education, pour into charities, activism that is to lift the community. If you're going to be there, then actually be an ally, be Mm. a resource and and actually help the people that are here. Mm. If you're coming in with the idea, well, this is the only thing that we could afford. Yeah. And you know, you know, when you see white people in gentrified neighborhoods, they have like those horse blockers on where they're yeah. not trying to look left or right. Yeah, yeah, they're just yeah. trying to go to their destination. Yeah. We don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that. If you come, then then I am creating a platform for you to meet people. Um, people who are super dope, people who you may judge, people who you may not know, people who on the other side are people may judge white people coming Mm -hmm. in and not know their story to be fair to them as well. And um, building that community is essential. On the other side, to add to that, I'm also working with black entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I take my last bodega in Brooklyn sign the one that you saw that we had the community perform. And I go to different locations throughout Brooklyn and I help black entrepreneurs sell their stuff. Mm. We talk about business, we talk about moves, we talk about strategy. And the goal from there is this is how I can uplift my community, right? Mm. I can't necessarily, I'm not in a position to be an angel investor and just drop some bread. I would love that. But right now I'm utilizing my resources and my resources is entertainment, which is where the the comedy lies. Mm -hmm. And my resources is being good in sales. So I'm going to get you and I got you on both ways. So that way I can help you, whether it's community or I can help you so we can make sure that we have more entrepreneurs that are growing and doing things for the community. Hey, that sounds dope, dope, dope. And uh, I'll say I want I want to chip into that as well, because my sense is that, um, you know, it starts off with the individual, it starts with self-love. Most definitely. You, know, you have to have love for yourself because like, you know, if you don't have love for yourself, then it's going to turn into turmoil as far as who you interact with, who you face. Yeah. Um, Friendships that you may be involved in, relationships, family matters, all that kind of stuff. So have a sense of self-love and then the self-awareness. Once you have that self-awareness, realize that that is a powerful tool. When somebody has self-awareness, and I think a lot of people lack that, you know, or to have a sense of critical thinking, to apply certain critical thinking skills to certain areas where they need it. 
and where it could be resourceful into their purpose and their goals in life. So I think not only just having a self-awareness factor, but also how to apply that self-awareness factor. Um, when it comes to resources and when it comes to other people, like I said, we have many tools nowadays and we should be grateful for, we have the privilege of, but um, not a lot of people know how to like apply it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm aware. It's like, like but what do I do? Yeah. You know, so I think people always go through those lost phases, which is fine, you know what I'm saying? That means that, you want to try to figure things out. You know, you're trying to give yourself a sense of direction. Uh, and then once that happens, then it could pour on to like other people as far as the community aspect. Mm -hmm. And you know, when it comes to either you being the follower or the leader, uh, whether you comes to contributing in any way that you can, um, but always do your research. In uh, my way is, like I said, this podcast and even me outside of being a podcast as I'm a freelance artist, you know, yeah. I do graphic design, do illustration and do sketching. Um, I'm going to get back to it. I know people have been asking me like, what well, you get back to it? Yeah, you know? yeah. I will get back to it. Yeah. I've just been very busy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But I don't use that as an excuse because like what I'm doing here is something I also feel very passionate about. So like I said, this podcast was another way of me creating conversation. Cause I always thought like, you know, what's a dope way? Cause I love to talk. You know, people don't know that because I'm usually a low key, like, you know, I don't say much type of person, but I'm trying to grow out of that phase of like, you know, speaking more, expressing myself more because I wasn't always like this. You know, people be surprised. Like, you know, you're saying a lot, but I'm just like, trust me, I was not always like this. Yeah. Um, and, but I did like having conversations with people to the right people and then mm. close friends, close family, things like that. And they'll know that like, you know, I, I, I see a lot yeah. and um, I'm always about, finding truth, reality, you know, doing research, things like that. And I always get to deep conversations with a lot of close friends about that because you can't talk to everybody about nah. it because they they don't have that <laughs> willingness to learn, willingness to be understanding, yeah. willingness to be compassionate, like we was talking about earlier, and um, just to dilute themselves from the illusion or their sense of reality yeah. and just kind of embracing more of the truth than what's really going on For instead sure. of just living like, you know, this fairy tale or even just this sense that, Things only happen accordingly how you want them to happen, you know, and not catering to like just what's going on in society. That's right. So I want people to have um, just, you know, a, a sense of self yeah. and then how that could be applied to the community. But then, like I said, when I was bringing this uh, podcast, like when I like having conversation was always a big thing for me. Sure. You know, meeting, there's another way to meet creators. It's like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm meeting creators, like whether it's in person, online. Yeah. So many different ways. You know, and then it, uh, it applies to social media. So there's a whole link and network with that as well. And like I said, like black community, like I was, you know, having all my guests was black, you know, whether, whether how you, you want to express the Afro thing, I'm black, whatever, it was all black. Yeah. So I was, I was keeping that strong and I was just like, shut up, really? I was like, no, because I wanted to be like something that'll give us like a quick view or click like or whatever. I didn't care about all that. All I care about is the people, the substance, be genuine, yeah. be comfortable being yourself and um, have more people on this platform where they could express themselves. Because some people even said like, you know, this was therapeutic for them. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's so dope. Yeah. People look into the YouTube channels and see certain videos like, yo, James, I didn't even think about this. Yeah. Like you're bringing up different perspectives in mind. I even like, you know, things and I'm, and I'm happy that it's this happening and I'm not, it's not happening in large numbers, but it's happening small bits, like, like small changes bring about bigger changes. You know what I'm saying? Um, or small actions bring about bigger changes. And that was something I was always big on. It's just like, I don't have to be the most impactful person. I'm not trying to be like the, I don't know, the Malcolm X in the world, even though it'd be dope, you know, but I do want to be recognized for my work. Most and definitely. then those small changes and actions that I'm doing and what you're doing as well is very important. Yeah. Like, don't take it for granted. Don't devalue yourself. Don't compare yourself because I know we can easily get into that comparative state of mind. Yeah. But if you're doing comparison, like, do it in a, a way that's healthy. Like, yeah. there's, there's a comparative sense that's healthy and a comparative that's destructive in nature. Mm. So what sense of comparison are you doing? And um, that was something that I just kind of want to add on to that as well. So, um, any like final, like this is the last thing I like to say is called a dose of reality. You know, it's just a little, uh, you could call it advice if you want, but it's kind of like what, what reality have you experienced as far as gentrification that you want to kind of bring out to people or you want to tell or, or share? The reality is gentrification is no different from who you are. Um, I, I mean, the, I'm, I'm speaking this message directly to black people. Mm -hmm. um, you are highly sought out after yeah 
in every regards from your intelligence to your spirituality to the physicality mm-hmm. to where you go and where you cultivate cultivate land know that the most important thing that you can have is ownership mm-hmm. my man jay hit gentrification in the mind that is a real thing yeah so finding the essence of yourself the mm-hmm. truth the core and having ownership of that and um spreading that level of ownership is not only self-love like you mentioned yeah. but also a way for us to build together and to combat gentrification hey hey don't 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 we gotta applaud to that you know what i'm saying hey hey, hey. um so where can they follow you um any projects you're working on that you want to shout out anything of that nature yeah most definitely my instagram is mosiah makes moves and my film project is uh, Last Bodega in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. both on Instagram. Next week, I'm in Austin for the Austin Film Festival. So definitely catch me out there. And then the following week, I'm um, going to be uh, uh, in the American Black Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely check that out because they're super dope as well. Hey, dope, dope, dope. And like I said, you can follow this platform is the Black Pill Society on Instagram on the link in our bio. You can follow us in all other uh, social media platforms. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, um, YouTube. Definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you go to our channel and uh, subscribe and then press that notification bell. And hit that notification bell. So um, and then, you know, Tell us your thoughts. Tell us your, your, your stories, your experiences when it comes to gentrification, um, how it has impacted you, uh, how has it affected other people around you, maybe your family, your friends, your loved one, anything like that. Um, I'm always open to hear about it. You can follow me on Instagram at the OBJ, at T-H-E-O-B-I-J-A-Y. You know, um, I'm open to DMs. Anybody who wants to be a, a guest on our podcast as well. Also, um, I put it on, on my uh, Instagram feed that I'm opening to for people to apply to be a part of the podcast team. So if you're interested in that, you know, uh, make sure you read the caption in my Instagram post. Um, I'm going to keep sharing it frequently. The deadline for that is December 3rd. Mm-hmm. So accept new members that we're going to open up for our second season of our podcast. So I'm happy about that. You know, hey. we're about to close out for this one. Um, you know, weekly episodes, like I said, every night is, is, it's been a, a struggle, but it's been a, a fun struggle, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, if anybody's interested, um, there's certain um, roles that's going to be available. Like I said, read the description and then um, I'll get back to you about that. Uh, and yeah, just, you know, like I said, follow us. Uh, there's also in the link in our, uh, our bio for the Black Coast Society, a Patreon. Sign up for that. You get exclusive access to behind the scenes, uh, Zooms, uh, you know, after hour discussions as well, uh, where we, you know, continue on the conversations for certain topics as far as like more spicier takes, more thought provoking, more deep takes, or more personal stuff that goes on uh, regarding the topics as well. So uh, make sure you uh, sign up, support, and follow us in, in all uh, platforms as well. And this concludes this episode of the Black Pill Pockets. I'd like to thank my special guest, Oziah, for being here all the knowledge and experience that he shared as well and um yeah so this is your host obj of the black pill podcast signing out